Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus is saying, ask, that's something you must do. He's saying to you, seek, that's something you must do. He's saying, knock, that is something that you must do. Let me ask you this. Are you asking God for anything? What are you asking God for? What are you seeking? Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Do you pray on a regular basis? Do you understand why you should pray and how you should pray? Today on The Verdict, in our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we are learning about the power of prayer. Are you following the teaching of Jesus? Do you know what He promised about our prayers? Let's join Pastor John Monroe as he presents part two of his message, Asking and Doing. You may not pray very often, and you may be afraid to pray out loud in front of others, but I'm certain of this, you do pray. From the teaching of Jesus, we're learning in the Sermon on the Mount that prayer is an essential part of a vital, authentic Christian life. God is our Heavenly Father, and as His children, He wants us to pray. Last time we learned that we're commanded to pray, and we're to pray sincerely, humbly, and now persistently. In our passage today, Jesus encourages us to claim the promise of prayer. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. So, commit yourself to prayer and be amazed at what the Lord will do. So, let me read from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. If you have a Bible, uh, follow along. Matthew 7 then, here is our Lord. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Isn't that a fascinating section of Scripture? Given as the Lord sits there, uh, we call it the Mount of Beatitudes, and uh, is speaking to his disciples and gives these magnificent words that we have just read. I want, first of all, to give two reasons. There are many reasons why we should pray, uh, but two, uh, certainly, that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. And the first reason that we should pray is that it is a command. We are commanded to pray. Matthew 6, verse 9, our Lord says, pray then like this, a command to pray. Now, the second reason is one that we've already considered We pray because God is our heavenly Father. And Jesus uh, gives this very insightful and and very down-to-earth example, doesn't he, in the verses that we've read. And when Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, verse 9, when he says, pray then like this, first thing he says is this, our Father who is in heaven. 
So two reasons then for praying from the passage. First, we're commanded to pray. Secondly, God is our Father. Now, but how do we pray? I want to mention three. First of all, pray sincerely. Why do I say that? Because Jesus says that. Look back in Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, now he's talking to his disciples, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Have you ever felt someone praying that they're a hypocrite? I think we've all had that experience sometimes. We've thought someday you say you're a big hypocrite. But are we hypocrites sometimes? They say, what would it be to be a hypocrite in prayer, uh, to pray to impress others? Have you, have you ever done that? You, you sound so so spiritual. You're just like an angel down from heaven the way you pray. Ah, but your heart is far away. No, pray sincerely. Secondly, pray humbly. Humble people pray. Proud people don't. James says in James 4, verse 6, that God gives more grace. Praise him. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Do you want to oppose God? Be proud. Do you want to receive grace? Be humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. That's prayer. Draw near to God with his humble heart and he will draw near to you. Verse 10. Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord and he will exalt you. You're trying to exalt yourself, trying to make a name for yourself, trying to force something. Don't do that. Humble yourself. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Ah, that's it. Yes, you want God to act supernaturally in your life. Yes, you want God to deal with that impossible situation. Yes, that's true. But notice Paul begins by saying, I bow my knees before the Father. That's it, isn't it? Humbly coming to him in prayer. You want God to act. You want God's power in your life, his wisdom. Bow the knees to the Father. Pray humbly. Pray sincerely. Pray humbly. And then as we come to particular to our passage, pray persistently with faith. Faith is essential in praying. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 17 uh, speaks of the, the, the faith of a mustard seed, a very small prayer. You see, I don't have much faith sometimes, and neither do I. I think all of us can relate to that. No, it's not so much the mind of my faith, it's the mind of my understanding how great my God is. It's a little faith in a great God. There are prayers, says Jesus, which, which move mountains. In other words, God can do things that no human being can do. And isn't that one of the reasons we pray? A little faith in a great God. Charles Spurgeon described prayer as the grandest power in the entire universe. I like that. Think of it. What's the greatest power in this universe? The greatest power in the universe is, is prayer. As we come in prayer to the very throne room of God, where we commune with God, where we humbly pour out our hearts to God, believing in faith that nothing is impossible with God. Now, as we look at Matthew 7, verse 7, we see that this faith 
Jesus' teaching is demonstrated in our persistence in prayer. And I think this is often where we fail. Notice what he's saying. We are to ask, we are to seek, and we are to knock. Note the rising intensity. The point is, if you don't keep asking, you'll not be given. If you don't keep seeking, you'll not find. If you don't keep knocking, it will not be open to you. Point. When you come to your father, you're praying sincerely, you're praying humbly. Ah, but now there is an intensity. There's a persistence. Praying in faith. Don't give up. Remember James says in James 4 verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. Now that sets us back a bit, doesn't it? What, what have I missed? Because I've never asked for it. What's the response? I have to ask. If you don't ask, you won't receive. If you don't seek, you won't find. If you don't knock, it won't be open to you. That's the whole point, isn't it? I understand there's a mystery of prayer. We have all questions about God's sovereignty and human responsibility, all of that. I understand all of that, but notice how simply our Lord is helping us pray. Yeah, there are difficult parts to understand in the Sermon on the Mount. We've dealt with some of them. Uh, but this is not too difficult to understand, isn't it? Because think of this. Verse 11. Your Father in heaven gives good things. Doesn't stop there, does it? To those who ask him. Therefore, I have to ask. Now you say, what are these good things that I should be asking? Well, <laughs> it's a long list, isn't it? But I'm thinking in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things we should be asking is in response to the teaching of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Lord, I need mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers. Lord, I want to be a peacemaker. I don't want to be a troublemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Love your enemies, Jesus has been teaching. Seek first the kingdom of God. Are these good things to ask? Yes, yes. Have you ever asked God, that you could be a peacemaker. How our world needs this, how our nation needs it, how our city needs it, how families need it. Have you ever prayed for that? Have you ever prayed to be pure in heart? All of the dirt that comes into our minds as we live our, our world. Lord, give me that pure heart. Have you ever come to the Lord asking for your hunger and thirst for righteousness to be increased? Have you ever prayed for God to help you to love your enemy, that person who has hurt you badly? Have you ever prayed, Lord, help me to love my enemy? Have you ever prayed, Lord, help me to seek first the kingdom of God? Because often I, I, I'm concerned and I'm, I'm worried about these things. And I'm worried about my career and I'm worried about who I'm going to marry and I, I'm worried about my health. And the Lord is saying, no, no listen, you've you got your priorities wrong here. Lord, help me to have this priority, to seek first the kingdom 
of God. These are good things. It's, do you think your Father in heaven is going to give you these things? Of course he is. These are good things to ask. It's true we can ask for selfish things, but he gives, he responds to his children when they come and ask him for good things. So what are you asking? And to help us understand, he gives a very practical and down-to-earth illustration, verse 9. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, an argument from the lesser to the greater, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I love this, don't you? You know this. You know this if you're a parent. If your children ask you for something good, isn't it a joy for you as a parent to answer that request? And also, think of the persistence of children. We have two of them, then they change cars. We have two of them sitting behind us. You've heard it before. Granddad, when do we get in there? I'll tell you when we arrive. Granddad, how far do we have to go? The persistence of a child, isn't it? Is God irritated by that? No. Your heavenly Father loves that. Because you ask in faith. Your Father in heaven is a good Father. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you good things. Therefore, keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Your Father loves you. He cares for you. So take advantage of this great, great privilege of prayer. Why wouldn't you pray? Uh, he, he gives us the pattern. We call it the Lord's Prayer. We understand it's a great privilege. We understand that there is great power received from God when we pray, and we are to be persistent. And think of this. You as a father, you as a mother, give good things to your children when they ask. Do you think God is a, a worse father than you are? No, he's a perfect father. You're not a perfect father. Uh, you're not a perfect mother. I'm not a perfect grandfather. God is a perfect father. And not only and I've experienced this in life, and I'm sure many of you have. God is so good to us that often He surprises us with His grace. Have you ever asked God for something, and He gives you something even better than you asked? I think sometimes our view of God is that, that, that God is some kind of a miser, Scrooge figure, that, that uh, we're afraid of Him. Yes, we are to fear God. But don't you believe what Jesus is saying? How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What good thing are you asking God? God loves to give his children good things. So you're asking for good things. James says in James 4 verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. No, I am to ask for good things, for strength, for help, for guidance, 
that I may bless others and so on and so forth. You know what the good things are. Scripture is full of them. You know what they are in, in your life. And you ask God and you keep asking and you keep seeking and you keep knocking. And your Father who is in heaven loves to give good things to those who ask. In fact, he will surprise you with his grace. I prayed for a Christian wife and not at the top. The top one was that she was a Christian. Very close to the top was she was a good cook. God answered that prayer, but also he threw in this beautiful blonde Scandinavian. I mean, that's God's grace, right? I asked for a good thing. He gives me something even better. I could never, ever have imagined a wife that was going to be my helpmate. God surprises us with his grace. Now, before we conclude, look at verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is often called the golden rule. Someone said the golden rule is whoever has the gold makes the rules. No, that's not the golden rule. And the rule is not do to others bad things before they do bad things to you. That's how some people operate. No, that's not it. And I thought, why would Jesus put this here? Yes, in a sense, it's summarizing the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He's talked about the law and the prophets, that he had come not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And the the law and the prophets is, is summarized in this wonderful statement. But I also thought of his close relationship to prayer. Don't you agree that how you treat people has a tremendous impact on your prayer life? That's true. Peter gives an example in 1 Peter 3. And he talks to the Christian wife in the first six verses. And then in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, uh, he gives instruction to Christian husbands. And he tells us that we're to treat our wives with sensitivity. We're to treat our wife with understanding, remembering uh, that they're equal with us as, as, as heirs of the grace of God, heirs of life. And then he says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. In other words, how I, as a husband, treat my wife has a serious impact in my prayer life. But it's greater than that, isn't it? How you treat other people. How can you pray sincerely? How can you pray humbly? How can you pray persistently by faith if you're treating people badly? And one of the beautiful ways, one of the wonderful ways that we commend Christ to others and we display Christ is by doing to others as we wish they would do to us. Isn't that true? Do you do that in life? You want people to be kind to you? I do. Be kind. You want to have friends? Be friendly. You want people to encourage you? Are you encouraging them? Uh, You want people to respect you, you respect them. That's the point. Here it is, again. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Yes, it's the law and the prophets. What do the law and the prophets say? We've been singing about it. The law and the prophets summarized is this. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. Do that and you've fulfilled all the law and the prophets. Here it is, in a very cryptic way, that I am to treat others as I wish they treated me. Stop being so self-centered. 
Stop thinking that the world revolves around you, revolves around John Monroe. No, I'm to be concerned about others. How do I treat them? And this commends the gospel. And then when I get down on my knees and speak to my heavenly Father, I come with a clear conscience, treating my neighbor as I would like to be treated. And as I do that, I am demonstrating the love of God. So that James says in James 5 verse 6, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So as you pray, <laughs> what does it mean to be righteous? Who is this righteous person whose prayer is so effective? One who is obeying Matthew 7 verse 12. Obeying the golden rule that he is loving God and loving his neighbor. And so when he gets down on his knees, he's praying sincerely to his father because he understands this love that he has received from God through Jesus Christ is a love which is to be, to, to be displayed to others. This week, you have wonderful opportunities to put this into practice in your prayer life and how you treat others. How you treat others on social media. It's remarkable, and I mentioned this the other day, it's remarkable how, how Christians can say such nasty, vitriolic things on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media. Don't do that. You don't like it if someone did it to you. Don't do it to others. Remember, you're a follower of Christ. And we, in a troubled world, yes, a world where there's a lot of hate, a world where there's a lot of turmoil, a world where there's a lot of prejudice, a lot of confusion, how wonderful. If we, the people of God, not we're just talking about what we believe, but by our very actions, we're bringing peace and mercy and love and grace to those around us. Yes, we don't always understand people. Yes, we may sometimes be frustrated with them. Yes, we may sometimes be offended with them, but this is true, that we, as God strengthens us, and as I ask my heavenly Father this, Lord, I want to do to others as I would they do to me. When you do that, you're fulfilling the law, of the, the law and the prophets. When you're doing that, your righteousness is exceeding the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking for God's grace to be poured on you, that you could be an instrument of grace and love to others. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe and the final part of a message titled, Asking and Doing. You can revisit this lesson or share it with a friend by going to our website at theverdict.org. And you can also get these programs downloaded automatically by subscribing to The Verdict Podcast. Just search your podcast app for The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. This week, we're continuing our series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and learning how to grow in our faith and deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ. And to help you better understand what it means to follow Jesus on a daily basis, we're offering a helpful booklet by John called Life in the Kingdom to complement this series. It focuses on the teaching of Jesus and what He says about how His followers are to live. You can request your free copy today or download it online by visiting theverdict.org. While you're there, you'll also have the chance to help us reach new listeners with the gospel by supporting our radio ministry with a donation. 
We're so grateful for fellow believers like you who help us share God's Word across the globe with their financial gifts. So please consider giving today by going online to theverdict.org. And by the way, we'd be thrilled to have you join us for our Sunday morning worship services at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, home of The Verdict. To find directions and details or to worship with us via our live stream online, just go to theverdict.org. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Have you seen God at work in your life and answer your prayers? What are you continuing to seek from the Lord? Are you knocking on the door, as it were? Are you being persistent, trusting in His promise? Remember, God is a God of love and often surprises us with His grace. And as we obey the golden rule, that establishes authenticity in our prayer life. Pray, ask, seek, knock. Next time, we'll look at the difference between authentic Christianity and a mere false profession of the Christian faith. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.